0: Good morning, everyone. Helps if I put the microphone on, doesn't it? There we go. That's better. Uh, Lovely to see you all here this morning Uh, for worship. I think you're all Kent faces. You've all been back, so you don't need me to give you uh, the usual spiel. Uh, You know the score as far as the the COVID stuff goes. Um, Just one wee bulletin to bring to your attention, and that's uh, that Caroline and Alan and I think some of the eco group tomorrow are doing a wee bit of gardening. Uh, around the annex, there's a few bits and pieces still to be done. Uh, so if you're free tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and you'd like to come and join in, I know they would be very glad uh, to see you. So just gather at the annex at 10 tomorrow. And I think there are plans afoot um, to maybe do some planting, uh, possibly some uh, Saturday in the the weeks ahead. So if you have bulbs at home that you're not needing, and you might want to contribute these, the idea would be, foot would just bring along whatever you've got at home that you're not using or cuttings of things and we can plant them uh, into the border beside the the annex Uh, but more about that later when we've chosen a day those are all our announcements so let's worship God now in our opening hymn which is number 153 great is thy faithfulness let's worship God together and Caroline I should have welcomed you at the organ today It's, it's great to have you helping out today thank you for deputizing for Alan come before God in prayer. Now let us pray. When the going is tough and the pathway uncertain, when the horizon is strange and we can't find our bearings, when the maps that we carry don't speak to this landscape, Lord, help us rest in you. When the going is easy and plans come together, when an energy builds and things get accomplished, when we toast our successes but remember to thank you, Lord, help us rest in you. When patience wears thin and tempers are fraying, when the hard won peace is so easily broken, when our bones have grown weary from watching and waiting, Lord, help us rest in you. When we're happily tired, and at one with our bodies, when good food fills our bellies and friendship our souls, when the blessings of life make us glad for the giver, Lord, help us rest in you. We rest in you, our dear God, our strong fortress our high tower, our solid rock, our sure foundation. We rest in you, like a babe currying into its mother's breast, like a prodigal held tight in the father's embrace, like a company of friends who share words in silence with equal ease, like a patient trusting in the care and skill of those who are tending to her. We rest in you living God to redeem our lives both now and in eternity, to draw us into the full measure of our humanity. To see us in your time and not without struggle become the men and women we were created to be. Thank you that in Christ the future is certain. Give us the time and the will to work it out with you. we hear these in all our silent prayers because we ask them all in the name of Jesus Christ, our friend and our saviour. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen our reading this morning is uh, taken from john's gospel john chapter 5 reading verses 1 to 18 we're reprising the story that we heard last week but also hearing a little bit at the end that i kept back uh, for this sunday and eileen's going to read for this
1: Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. see you are well again stop sinning or something worse may happen to you the man went away and told the jews that it was jesus who had made him well so because jesus was doing these things on the sabbath the jews persecuted him jesus said to them my father is always at his work to this very day and i too am working for this reason the jews tried all the harder to kill him not only was he breaking the sabbath but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. Amen.
0: Let's take a moment to pray together. Father still our hearts still our minds still the chatter that we bring with us naturally into this place, the the things of life, the things of the day. And there are many things that need our attention, but they don't need our attention right this minute. So please help us to uh, be quiet in our hearts and minds that we might truly hear from you today and know what your word is for us, to carry us into the week, and back into the reality of all the stuff that's to be done. Make this a quiet centre for the next 15 minutes. And may we meet with you here. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> By the time he'd bent down to pick up his mat, the man who'd healed him, the man whose name he didn't even know, had melted away into the crowd. But he only had a few seconds to think about that before the gasps and the cries started to echo around the colonnade at Bethesda, before people started gathering round wide-eyed and amazed to ask him what had happened, how after so many years his legs had finally found their strength again. And he told them the little that he knew A man, a rabbi, he thought, had spoken to him for a while and then simply told him to get up, pick up his mat and walk. And something in the man's voice had made him want to try, even though he knew how ridiculous a suggestion it was. And now, miraculously, here he was, standing and walking for the first time in 38 years The press of curious bodies around him was a blessing, allowing him to lean on people as he took a few more tentative steps and made his way out onto the streets and into this new unknown life that he couldn't even have dreamt of that morning. What would he do now? Where would he go? And where had the man who had healed him gone to? His mind was racing with questions, but his heart told him that the rest of his life could wait at least another few hours. It was only right that his first walk should be to the temple where he could give thanks to God for this restoration. And maybe he'd even find the healer there too. But a curt voice cut through this reverie. What do you think you're doing carrying that mat? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? He looked up to find three Pharisees glowering at him. The man who made me well said to take up my mat and walk, he explained. And the strange thing was, they didn't even seem to notice the part about his getting well. They didn't ask anything about it. All he wanted to know was who told him it was okay to break their law. And the way they said it left him in no doubt that if he didn't tell them, then he was going to be the one in the firing line. There's an irony in almost every story that we read about the Pharisees in the Gospels, and it's this. They always see themselves as the ones who are in the right, and yet somehow they always manage to get it wrong. In today's story, they round on the man from the pool of Bethesda because he's carrying his mat on the Sabbath, supposedly breaking God's law when it's God in Christ who's just told him to take up his mat and to walk on the Sabbath. And this rule that they're fussing over isn't in the Old Testament. It's not in the Bible at all. It was one of literally hundreds of rules that the Pharisees developed to try and stop people from even coming close to breaking God's law. The rabbis of Jesus' day seriously debated about whether it was work to carry a needle pinned into your robe on the Sabbath or to wear a brooch on your clothing or to walk in shoes that had iron nails in them were these working in the sabbath did they displease god it may have been well intentioned but it was wrong headed and it quickly became burdensome to the point of ridicule but more importantly it missed the very point for which the law had been given in the first place a point which jesus makes beautifully elsewhere in the gospels when he reminds the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. The law was given to serve human flourishing, not to crush and burden the human spirit. When, like the Pharisees, we think of God first and foremost as a judge, and speak as though obedience to his law is all that matters to him, we miss the heart of what the law was given for, and we also miss the heart of God into the bargain. Because God is first and foremost our Father. That is how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father. And when God sets laws or rules or guidance in place for us, it's not with cold, impartial logic to preserve his honor. It's with a father's concern for the welfare of his children. Our father loves us and he wants us to grow up into the fullness of all that we were meant to be in Christ. That's what he's working for. And that brings me to a sentence that really intrigued me in today's reading. I wonder if you noticed it. When the healed man shops Jesus to the Pharisees, presumably out of fear, they accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath, to which he says, my father is always working, and so am I, which had them spitting feathers for a number of reasons, not least because Jesus was calling God his Father and so making himself equal with God. But here's what Jesus means by that. He says, we're given Sabbath as a gift, yes. We need it as human beings. We weren't meant to function without rest. But the Father who gave you the Sabbath is constantly working to bring the universe, including humankind, to its final sabbath rest in the kingdom when God shall be all in all and today he's been working in the life of this man who's been unwell for 38 years he's been healing him but God won't rest until all of us are healed until all of his work is done in the whole of humanity God is always at work creation is ongoing it didn't finish in Eden it's ongoing And Genesis gives us our first hint that that is the case. All through the creation narrative, and you know this, we keep hearing the same refrain, God speaks, things come into being, they're declared good. God speaks, things come into being, they're declared good. But on the sixth day, we find that things are a little different. Instead of just creating by a word, God says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It's more deliberative, more of a process. And so he forms Adam from the dust of the earth, he breathes into him, and we're told that Adam became a living being. But here's the question Is God's work of creation in Adam finished? Maybe you've never thought of that before. But when a newborn baby comes into the world, is it finished? No, it's not. There's more for that baby to grow into. A child can know and relate to its parents far better as an adult than as an infant. And in the natural order of things, as a child matures, It grows into a deeper knowing and appreciation of those who have given it life. And that is what humankind was destined for from the beginning. A closer and a more mature relationship with God than even Adam and Eve had in Eden. In his second letter in the New Testament, Peter calls that destiny a participation in the divine nature. Elsewhere, the ancients speak about union with God. And that fits very well with the imagery of the church becoming the bride of Christ, united with him and knowing him with uttermost intimacy while still retaining all of her individuality. That's what human destiny is in Christ. But tragically, in the story, Adam and Eve trash the destiny of humankind before we can even get a glimpse of what it might look like. What would it look like to be in full, loving, knowing communion with God? Because that's what it means to be fully human. And to that extent, none of us actually are human. We are becoming human. Well, by the grace of God, we know now what it looks like to be in full, loving, knowing communion with God. Because there is one who has always lived that way. One who defines what it is to be fully human. A second Adam who succeeds where Adam had failed and pulls all of humanity back onto the rails so that we can reach the destination that creation was meant for. So that we too can become fully human. In God's timing. And when in John's gospel, Christ crucified says, It is finished, and breathes his last, he's talking about more than the physical and spiritual agony of crucifixion. The word for finished there in the Greek is tetelestai, which means more than it's over. It means it's completed it's done it's finished it's fulfilled when Emma Raducanu sank to the ground last night on the court at Arthur Ashe Stadium she was rejoicing not just because that point was over or that game was over or that set was over or even that tournament was over she was rejoicing in the fulfillment of all those years of hard work that she put in since she was, Lord only knows, eight years old, it was completed in that moment. All of that hard work, all of the sacrifice, all of the training, all of the effort came to its fulfillment in that glorious moment of triumph. And that's what's happening in the cross. God's Genesis 1 project of making a human being in his image who would faithfully bear that image from beginning to end has been completed in Christ it's finished he has succeeded where Adam failed and as Adam dragged the human race down Christ raises the human race up and by the grace of God the fruit of that accomplishment is shared with all of us as Paul says in Colossians 1, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm and not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. I need you to hear that this morning. God has done the reconciling. That sees us made right with him. All we need to do is accept that by faith and live into it. Faith does not earn the gift of God's love and forgiveness. They are already ours in Christ. Faith is what connects us to the gift. And allows us to enjoy it. And to live out of it. Now take a deep breath, because I know that's a lot of theology to take in on a Sunday morning. So here's a wee illustration that I hope might help uh, bring it home. A while back, there was some kind of delicious cake in our house. There is often delicious cake in our house. It doesn't stay around very long. I can't remember exactly what kind of cake it was, but me being me, I was intent on having my cake and eating all of it even if that left nothing for later. But Mary, in her wisdom, took a different approach. She cut hers in half, and she put half of it away in a Tupperware box. And she saw me watching her, and she said knowingly, I'm going to keep some for later. My future self will thank me. We have future selves in Christ. Us perfected. Us with all the nonsense stripped away, all the weeds pulled up, all the impurities washed out or refined out of us, all the brokenness mended, holy, without blemish, free from accusation, done, fully human as we were always meant to be. It is finished in us, or at least it will be one day. Are we there yet? Of course we're not. None of us are. But God is working constantly now to help us grow into that destiny that he secured for us by the life, death, resurrection and ascension of the truly human one, Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to participate with him in becoming what he's making us. Life is the school where we learn how to do that. And every day is a school day. So when all the stuff happens in life, as it will, the fallouts, the disappointments, the stresses, the sadnesses, the genuine heartbreaks, and the joys and the glories and the unexpected blessings, Remember that all of this taken in the right way has the potential to help you become more truly human. To bring you one step closer to becoming your future self in Christ. I've just finished a biography of Eugene Peterson who, was, who I was fortunate enough to spent some time with back in 2009. He was a remarkable writer and pastor, Eugene. And at the heart of his faith was the same conviction that the text is bringing to us today. The conviction that God is always working. In his book, The Contemplative Pastor Peterson writes, the assumption of spirituality is that God is always doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. Today's good news It's that God is always working on our behalf, even when it may not seem so. Our everyday lives are His classroom. And His desire is to lead us into maturity now and into our full humanity in the end. But He will not do this without our willing participation. That's how it works. We must play our part too in our becoming. We also have work to do. Amen. We're going to spend some time now praying for others and Caroline's going to lead us in those prayers.
2: Let us pray (coughs) heavenly father we praise and thank you for all the many blessings you shower upon us help us to learn and grow to be more complete in christ by working with us through the good times and the bad thank you for the many lessons we can learn from you and from your word keep us alert to your leading and ready to listen to your voice in every situation of life and thank you for your amazing grace that through faith in Jesus we have not only been forgiven of our sins but have been given all we need for life and godliness. O Lord, we pray for the people of Afghanistan facing an uncertain and probably dangerous future. We pray that there may be a generous response to their need for a safe haven and help towards their future needs. May those countries and individuals who are able to respond do so generously. Lord, we pray for wise decisions over the future management of the COVID pandemic and particularly over the global allocation of COVID vaccines. Oh Lord, we remember all the people of the world who are suffering the results of climate change, heat waves, fires, droughts, floods. We pray for them and for all the people and organisations which are trying to mitigate these difficult situations. We pray for all those who will attend the COP26 meetings in Glasgow this autumn, that they'll take seriously the causes of climate change and the actions that need to be taken to limit it. Oh Lord, we pray for those who are starting college or university and may be leaving home for the first time. Be with them as they take these first steps and help them to start their new lives with calmness and confidence. Lord, we pray for your church here in Belhelvey Parish. Help us to serve people without judgment and help meet their needs. We pray for our church congregation. Strengthen the ministry that is in us all, and we give special thanks for Paul as he ministers to us. May we all recognise and acknowledge the gifts you give and step out in faith as you call. As we pray for our church, we think of all those who give their time and talents and quietly get on with the many tasks which are needed to keep the church running. We pray for the needs of our loved ones, our friends and our neighbours, and that we'll be mindful of the differing needs of those we meet. Help us to be there when needed, sharing the happy parts of life and being supportive during the lowest times. We remember all in special need this morning and bring before you those ill at home or in hospital and those who care for them. We bring before you those who feel no one cares for or about them, for the unemployed, the poor, the lonely, the depressed and those suffering injustice and neglect. May we come beside those in need as you make them known to us and bring your peace to all who are suffering today. And finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Help us participate with you in learning to become more fully human. Make us persistent in prayer and supplication. We don't deserve your forgiveness, but we are weak and lost when we take our gaze from you. May we find a place that is quiet, where you are to be found and where we can speak together. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you, Caroline. We close our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 559. There is a redeemer.